Speakers Corner, broadcast and podcast. Over 2,000 years later, and Christ's question is still on the world's front page. Who do you say that I am? The destiny of every person who's ever lived ultimately rises or falls based on confessing with their mouths and believing in their hearts the right answer to this question. In this series, we're taking you in the studio and on the street with our outreach radio team to experience firsthand some of the crazy answers people give to this question. But in the end, what's truly important is not what others say about God, but what God says about himself. That's why we also encourage you to stay tuned until the end of the show when TCC radio host and local missions pastor Corey McKenna opens God's word to teach through vital truths we all need to know about what God says about himself. But now, let's get this show on the road. In the studio and on the street with the Cross Current Radio Show. Hi there, this is Chris with the Cross Current Radio, and I'm just speaking with Stephen today. So we're a Spiritual Speakers Corner broadcast and podcast. Have you ever heard of us before? I haven't, no. Not okay, until so, now, at least. Okay, so this is the first time. All right, so the series that we're covering right now is on a Life magazine that was called Jesus, who do you say that I am? As you can see on the cover right here. Um, did you see this uh, magazine before? Or, or? I haven't. No. Okay. Alrighty. So the question I'm going to start off with is: Any guesses as to what other people might say Jesus is, or who Jesus is? I'll just let you elaborate on that a bit. So the question is: Who other people think Jesus is? Uh, probably someone from the Bible who was born in a manger and had the wise men come and kind of led a revolution back then. Okay, okay. Do you have any other uh, things as to what you think people might say about Jesus? He's Savior, Lord, a teacher, the way to get to heaven. I don't know, I'm just trying to think how other people would think of him. So, Okay, cool. So who do you say that Jesus is, Stephen? Well, I would say Jesus, yeah, is Lord and that you should follow him and have a personal relationship with them. Okay, Okay. so I was going to ask you this question, what's your spiritual background, but I'm, I'm guessing from that you would say, are you a Christian? I am, yes, I would say that. Okay, okay. So ultimately, what's more important, what others say about you or what you say about yourself? I would definitely say what I say about myself, because I can't control what other people say. I can only control myself and my actions and put out a positive image. So that's what I would say. But I guess if I look at it that way, if I really believe in what I'm doing is right, then other people would think by my actions that I'm not a hypocrite. Okay. Yeah, that's... So that's I guess a, like I went back on that, but it goes both ways, I guess. Okay, but, but ultimately at the end of the day, what would matter probably the most is what you have to say about yourself, right? Yes, I can only control my actions. So if I do something wrong, then yeah, it's... Basically, I have to live with the consequences. So, yes, I would say that. Okay, okay. So just a couple uh, scripture references, Bible references, of what Jesus said about himself. One of them here is, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Uh, Matthew 28, verse 18. So I am the Christ, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. That's Mark 14, 61 to 62. Another one here is, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's John 6, chapter 40. And also, John 14, verse 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What do you think Jesus meant by that when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? I think he meant by that that he's the only way to, to get to heaven. So nowadays, I've been talking about this with my parents a lot. It seems that nowadays it's all like, whatever you feel like, that's good. Whatever religion you choose, that's fine. But no, it's only... There's only one way to get to heaven, and yeah, that's it. So through, uh, yeah, God, and then you got to follow him and have a relationship with him. And yeah, that's that's the only way to do it, as far as I'm concerned. So you, you would agree with the statement that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that statement is exclusive. Only he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way. And along with that, I think what you're alluding to is that a lot of people think that truth is subjective. And what I mean by that is... Whatever I think is right, what's right for me is right for me, and what's right for you is right for you. Is that, that's what you're kind of alluding to, right? Yes, that's definitely what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and what Jesus says here is he says completely opposite of that. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is objective. And I usually ask people this question, apart from God, how can they know anything for certain? Like, what is their standard of truth? Because we all use logic, we use reasoning. And when someone does us wrong, we're really quick to say, well, that was wrong. Even someone who might have said two minutes earlier that, well, truth is subjective. Whatever is true for me is true for me. Whatever is true for you is true for you. But as you can see, their foundation is objective truth. Did you follow what I'm saying there? I think so, yes. Yeah, so so I, I, it's neat that you brought that up. You've been talking about that with your parents because truth is ultimately objective. And Jesus himself right, says here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Also, he says here, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So, just from our conversation, I, I, but I'll ask you this. Do you, do you believe this, Stephen? I definitely do, yes. Okay, so... I usually ask people this question, who, who claim to be Christians, I usually ask people this question. Let's say I had three minutes left to live, and I did not know Christ. I was lying on the ground in a pool of blood. How would you explain to that person the gospel if they did not know Christ? What would you tell them? I know it's kind of a question I didn't mean to stump you with, but what do you think about that? If you only had three minutes to live, I guess you just want to share that there's still life. Once you die on this earth, there's... It doesn't end there, so you'd have to explain that quick and say that God loves them and just share the truth about that and just there's a God that loves them and although things are looking pretty bleak at this moment, there's really a reason for everything, even though we don't know it, that He has a plan really above all. So I just share that and how awesome He is and hope that they come to know Jesus before they their last breath. Okay, so are there, are there some other things that you might share with them just to explain the fact that 
like what happens after we die? Like I, I usually ask people this question. What, what do you think as a Christian, what do you believe personally happens after we die? I believe we all stand before the judgment of God and depending on what we've done, either he says, yes, I knew you or no, I didn't know you. And depending on that is what happens after that, where you go. And so if that guy's lying on the ground, how would you explain to them, like you alluded that it's appointed unto man wants to die and after that the judgment, right? Yep. So what would you, what would you kind of explain to that guy like in three minutes of your time, how would you kind of unravel that to him so that he can understand that once he, once he dies, it's appointed unto him to, to be judged after he dies? Uh, I would just explain that he's got to come to know God and because, yeah, that really is the best way, I would say. And hopefully he would agree with me and he'd be okay. Hi, this is Chris with TCC Radio. We'll get back with Steve and I in a few. But first, here's how you can partner in the gospel with us. Canada needs Christ. Will you prayerfully give to our great mission of airing and sharing? Airing this outreach radio show further across Canada and equipping more churches in Canada to share Christ? If so, go to thecrosscurrent.com give and choose the giving option that's best for you. We thank God for you and your partnership in His gospel. Now, now here's, here's what I would just, I would tell you if, or I came up to you and you had three minutes left to live. I, w- I would just, I would explain to you that we have all sinned, right? Like we've all sinned and fallen yeah. short of the glory of God. Roman, Romans um, uh, 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if we go on to Romans 6.23, it says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So we've sinned against the holy God. Now, I don't know if you ever thought of it this way, Stephen, but did you ever think of it that God's goodness is actually our greatest problem? Have you ever thought of it that way, Stephen? I guess not, no. And so, do you have any idea why I might say that? Like, I'm just trying to flush it out of you, what, what you think about what I'm, what I'm saying here. That God's graciousness is the greatest problem? God's goodness. God's goodness. Uh, because, well, I would say because, yeah, as you said, we're all sinners. Like, every day we make mistakes and we just... we fall short all the time and when you think about it, it's sad and where God is is perfect so it, it's amazing really that as we make mistakes through our thoughts and everything we say we keep sinning and he's just he's perfect yeah yeah and so when we sin right sin is a failure to comply to God's moral law right uh, I think it's in John it says sin is transgression of the law but it, it's also uh, what that means is the law reflects the character of who God is, right, about himself. So when we lie, we're portraying God as a liar, right, because we're created in his image to bring honor and glory to him. But when we fail to do that, we're portraying him as a liar, and that, that's sin, right? When we steal, we're portraying God as a thief, right? It says that in this the law is summed up that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself, right? When we don't do those two things, when we lie, we're failing to love God above all else. And then also we're failing to love our neighbor as ourself. So God's goodness, I'm going to get to that in a bit, is our greatest problem. But here, here's why. One of God's attributes is he's just, he's righteous, right? Mm-hmm. What, what that means is, is if I was to go in a courtroom scenario today... And let's say there's a murderer standing in front of that judge. Now, if 
he's a good judge, what is he going to do to that murder? If the murder's um, proven guilty, right, and he's even admitted, let's say this murder's admitted he is guilty, what is a good judge in a court of law going to do? He'll make him uh, pay the price for his mistake. So, so he's going to give him the just demands for the crime. Yes, definitely. For the crime committed, right? So if you understand that in context of the fact that we've sinned against the holy God and he's going to judge us someday, but how much more of a righteous judge is he than the earthly judges that we stand in front of today if we've committed a crime, right? So, so here's the thing, getting back to that scenario with the guy that's lying down on the ground, how, do, how then would we bring to him the fact that God's goodness is his greatest problem? Because a lot of th people think the other way. They think that God's goodness is going to be what gets him into heaven. But I would wager that God's goodness is going to be what keeps us out of heaven, right? Yes, because, yeah, he's just, so he can judge us because he hasn't sinned. Right, and, and if he didn't actually judge us, that would be against his character. He would no longer be good, so he needs to bring justice against our sin. And, and the justice that we deserve, Where would you? what would you say that God does to satisfy his justice? That if we all the mistakes we've made that yeah he has to we have to be accountable for what we've done what we would justly deserve every single one of us because we've been born in sin and, and the moment we've been born we've set up kingdom against God we've been concerned about our own kingdom and what we justly would deserve what justice would be is for every single person on the face of this earth to spend an eternity in hell but that's not the end of the story God did something for us that is truly amazing and wonderful through Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, what do you understand what God did for us on the cross? Like, how would you explain that to that guy that's lying down on the ground? Let's say he still has three minute le minutes left to live. I know we've taken longer than that, but I'm just working through that with you here, Stephen, and, and thanks for your patience. But what would, how would we explain that to him? That even though we're sinners, God died for our sins and then rose again so that we can be forgiven. It's just how I would explain it, yeah. And do you know, do you know um, how the just demands for our sin were in a sense satisfied through Jesus dying on the cross? Like, how did that happen? What do you mean? Well, how was the justice and mercy kind of met on the cross? Like, how, how was the justice for our sins that we deserve to spend an eternity in hell paying for? How was that just? satisfied in, in Christ. How is that just? Uh, well, he died for us, and even though we're sinners, that, yeah, we're forgiven because of what he did for us. Okay, and and a verse that comes to my mind when I, when I think about that is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. It's through Jesus. So when he was on the cross, picture this. You know, a lot of people think that what happened was he just suffered at the hands of Roman soldiers, right? Like he was uh, greatly uh, scourged and beaten. But it was much more than that. He wasn't um, only just scourged and beaten. That's not how the wrath was satisfied. It says God the Father poured out his wrath, right? If you read Isaiah 53, it pleased the Lord to crush him. He was pleased to crush his son. What, what does that all entail? Well, when, when Jesus was on the cross, um, if we just step back a step here before I go there, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was 
sweating drops of blood and he was praying, Father, if it be so, let this cup pass from me. What was the cup that Jesus was talking about? Well, it was the cup of God's wrath that he was going to pour out on his son Jesus in, in our place, right? So when Jesus was on the cross, he took on the sin of, of those who are going to repent and trust and put their faith in him. He took on the sin of the whole world. And God the Father poured out his wrath on his son Jesus. And Jesus was punished in our place. He took the punishment on himself on the cross. It was satisfied. And therefore God did not compromise his goodness, his justice. And he didn't compromise being um, any of those attributes. Because he 100% satisfied the just demands for that sin in Christ. Now this is the beauty of the gospel, right? That guy that's lying in the pool of blood, if he understands the fact that, you know, he's sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if I could just give it to you kind of in a minute, here's what I would tell that guy. I would say, look, you know, the, where will you spend eternity? The Bible says that the price of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So how many times have you sinned? whether you've lied or lusted, stolen, hated, or used God's name in vain. See, when you've done that, you've sinned against the Holy God, alienating yourself from Him. Even your thinking is against Him. And what you justly deserve for that is to spend an eternity in the lake of fire or hell. That would be justice. But God, in His love and His mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, he sent his only son, Jesus, to come down and live that perfect life that none of us could live. So he never lied. He never lusted. He never stole. Never hated. Never did any of those things. He completely, 100% was perfect. He was fully God, yet fully man. And when he was on the cross, he satisfied the just demands for your sin. God the Father poured out his wrath in his son, Jesus, in your place. The word, um, it's a big word, but it's called propitiation. He was our propitiation. And then he rose from the grave. He died and he rose from the grave three days later, defeating sin and death, just as the scripture foretold that he would. So in order for us to be reconciled to God, what we need to do is repent, all right, which means to stop and to turn, confess our sin, says in 1 John one nine. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what God will do is He will grant us eternal life, and we will spend forever with Him in heaven. That is the great news of the gospel. So, um, Stephen, I just want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Um, it's a beautiful day out here compared to some of the days we've had in the past. So, thank you. Hi, I'm Corey McKenna, president of the Cross Current. Will you help hear H-E-A-R at home with us? Thanks to ministry partners like you, we were able to send me into the field full-time on July 1st. But to equip more Christians online and to engage more non-Christians on air, we need your support. To pray, give, and go with us, visit helphear.ca. Personal. Uh. Let's get personal and make sharing your faith a part of every day. Welcome to Let's Get Personal, a 60-second sample of personal witness training with the Cross Current. 
Christian, do you know that all conversations and confrontations about your faith come down to competing claims of authority? Like, who says? Well, because Jesus says that he has all authority, why not share Christ in his word as your source of authority and then compare theirs to him? That way, it's never you and your word that get the glory, but Jesus and his. And that's just a glimpse of how TCC can help you and your church normalize sharing Christ in all your personal relationships. Personal. For more uh, personal witness center training, visit thecrosscurrent.com. It's all good. Do you believe that you are a good person? I believe I'm a good person, yes. I'd like to think so, but I don't know. Yes, I think. Sometimes. Uh, no. I, I try to be, but... Okay, do you believe that you're good enough to be with God in heaven? I, I believe so, but we'll, we'll find out, I guess. I know, I guess that's God's judgment, not mine. If only God is all good, how can he not punish people for being bad? Tune in to the outreach radio show that's really got people talking. It's all good this month on the Cross Current Radio Show. Hi, this is Albert Moeller, and you're listening to the Cross Current Radio Show. Hello again. This is Corey McKenna, founder of the Cross Current and host of TCC Radio. And welcome to our fourth and final part of this series. By now you know that at the end of each episode, I've been opening God's Word to teach through vital truths we all need to know about what God says about Himself as recorded in the 8th chapter of Mark's Gospel. Because in the end, what's most important is not what others say about God, but what God says about Himself. And we learned that the first truth God says about Himself in this passage is, I am Savior. Second, He says, I am Lord. And that brings us to the third truth God says about himself in Mark chapter 8, and it's this, I am king. On the heels of his statement about his sovereign and supreme lordship, in verses 35 to 37, Jesus addresses the sin of self-preservation. He first says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. And then he asks, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Here, Jesus is addressing the hearts of his hearers, asking, Was self-preservation a good decision in the end? No. All your stuff, all the power and possessions in the world will pass away, but your soul will live forever. And in verse 38, Jesus puts an exclamation point on his words of warning, saying, Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And to help us all more fully feel the weight of Christ's words here, let me share how what he said then might sound to us now. Jesus is saying, anyone and everyone who denies me by not obeying my word, but worships the world and the stuff of the world instead, I will return the favor by denying them when I return as conquering king to judge the world in righteousness. There is a coming judgment. 
And King Jesus is saying that if you are not willing to suffer for the sake of his righteousness now, you will suffer his punishment later. Listen carefully how Paul paints this picture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Christian, there's a fine line between fear of man and shame of Christ, and many in the church today by their actions are blurring that line. When the Son of Man comes back, will he find any who are faithful? I pray that we'll all be ready for his imminent return. And as this series draws to a close, the truth of who God really is has to make us all ask, so what now? Well, I sort of have two teaching voices here at TCC, the voice of a pastor and the voice of an evangelist. And as we close, I want to try and harmonize both these voices together into one clear encouragement and warning. Jesus asked them, but who do you say that I am? These are his words, and because he lives and his word lives, Jesus is still asking you today, but who do you say that I am? Oh yeah, God knows what they say, but ultimately, what's important to him is not what others say about him, but what he says about himself. And today, God is saying clearly, I am the promised Savior who has suffered and given his life as a ransom for many. I am the sovereign Lord who demands your absolute and total surrender. I am the conquering King who will come again to reign in glory and majesty. Today, Jesus is asking you, who do you say that I am? Because, please hear this, God's concern is not who skeptics say that he is, but who his sheep know that he is. Are you one of his sheep? If you are, then deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. If you are not one of his sheep today, then I hope and pray that today will be your day of salvation, and that you repent of your sins and obey the gospel. Well, thanks again for listening to this series of the Cross Current Radio Show. You can access our podcast online at tccradio.com. And to learn more about how the Cross Current can equip you and your church by example to be Christ's witnesses together, please visit thecrosscurrent.com. We trust you'll join us next time. And until then, I'm Corey McKenna in the studio and on the street, keeping the Cross Current in our culture. Hi, I'm Corey McKenna, president of The Cross Current. Will you help hear H-E-A-R at home with us? Thanks to ministry partners like you, we were able to send me into the field full-time on July 1st, but to equip more Christians online and to engage more non-Christians on air 
We need your support. To learn how to pray, give, and go with us, visit helphere.ca. That's H-E-L-P-H-E-A-R dot C-A. We thank God for you and your partnership in His gospel.